Hello, and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past, presented to you by Los Lovely Boys. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast to get these episodes as they drop. The music for our podcast today is provided by the artist Friend of Yours. This is a podcast where we will dissect all things pop from the recent past. Today we are hoping to answer the all-important question, why did the song Bad Romance by Lady Gaga pop? This is episode 8 of our show, and we are breaking down a great song today, guys. And in honor of Lady Gaga's album that will drop a day after this is released, thought it was fitting to do maybe Lady Gaga's best song. Maybe we'll get into some of that as well. Um, How's everyone's week been? It's been good. It's been good. Another week that just flew by completely mindlessly. Um, But, you know, we're here doing it again, providing our commentary to you, hoping that it helps you make the days go by time is my time is a construct except for the 40 to 50 hours a week i spend doing virtual work and going on that old treadmill um i uh my my job uh let me know this week that it's going to be we're on a perpetual two-month notice to coming back in the office so um you know no matter no matter what point Texas decides to open back up fully and we're on our way bars open today um at 25% with an asterisk um the so at at whatever point uh two months at least therefore um it's gonna be a while so uh kind of just keeping on obviously music is helping yeah absolutely and we actually just had uh Lady Gaga drop a song we're recording on Saturday so it was a couple days ago at this point uh but Rain On Me uh featuring Ariana Grande what are you guys' thoughts on that song before we dive into an older Gaga song love it (laughs) love it I love it it's yeah I was listening with my girlfriend and she actually brought up a great point that Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande have fairly similar vocal ranges very wide ranging for both of them, so Which it's I was, kind of been a long time coming. To that point, I was I was curious about how they were going to duet, and I thought it was interesting that Gaga mostly kind of fell back to the traditional, like almost staccato Gaga, um, especially after obviously like what's been what she's been doing the past few years with like Shallow and all that, like, and then kind of let Ariana uh, hit some of the high notes, but she didn't. She didn't fall back all the way, especially in like the second half of the song. She, they both, they both were killing it. Um, I love the production. Um, definitely in the same vein of the '90s kind of garage throwback sound that um, the past few years, uh, "One Love" by Dua Lipa and Calvin Harris comes to mind. Um, that sounds kind of been sneaking into the mainstream, and this seems to me like one of the best, uh, one of the best pop takes on it. Um, just you know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trash on stupid love too badly, but in terms of something that I can see myself coming back to, this is far more of just overall well executed gaga. Yeah, so I actually thought that in the first half of the song, like you said, Chris, that I was like, this kind of almost sounds like Ariana Grande's taking over a bit. Like it's it's really just like going and uh, and then you're like, holy cow, and then they do just intertwine so well. So that's a good point that um was made about them having the same type of range um you know i think gaga might have a little bit more but they are in and kind of one in the same uh when you think of you yes, know yeah. powerful women in pop mm-hmm. uh too so anything else that we're listening to that dropped uh recently i haven't listed the new six nine song i will not listen to that i refuse to um <laughs> just I off, of, off of principle um i know the savage remix is still up there i actually gave that a listen the other day uh walking around and it, it's, pretty it's pretty good actually i um 
Told you. Yeah, I mean, I like um, Big Old Freak by Meg The Stallion the most, mainly because of the sample. But, um, yeah, pretty good song um, that way. Listen to a lot of throwbacks still, too, um, and everything. But anything you guys are listening to? So, Chris, one question I have for you is I've noticed we've seen a lot of remixes and features rising to the top of the charts. Um, mm-hmm. the Savage Remix comes to mind, Say So. Uh, Doja Cat did another one with The Weeknd in your eyes. Do you think this is a byproduct of um, kind of the age of Corona where we're not able to create a lot of new music collaboratively, but maybe artists can send in a verse and it's quicker to kind of splice together and you, you get know, a it's interesting because I honestly was kind of, so I was noticing that trend again and that's kind of something that's bubbled up in, uh, in the past. Uh, obviously, I mean, we, you know, Gaga herself um, definitely was a person who, you know, right after Bad Romance would come out with Telephone and, um, yeah, Video Phone Remix. And the Video um, Phone. The, it, there's there's definitely been kind of a precedent of that, and I do think that to in a lot of cases that's probably just more conducive to the current time. Um, say so, definitely, just kind of by nature. I mean, there was the whole saga of Nicki Minaj the day before, um, a day after the Savage Remix dropped, um, saying, I'm re-recording my verse, so there's two versions because she just straight up redid her verse within like 12 hours of it dropping to the point that it initially dropped with the wrong version and they had to fix it. Um, that said, I mean, um, I, I will say that there's less than I would have thought. But yeah, I mean, that that one week with those uh, remixes definitely um, kind of kind of gave me some nostalgia for the old days of like. Um, I always think about Katy Perry's string of singles with remixes to kind of power them back up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it. Or, I I could see I could see it happening more frequently. Like you said, Doja Cat and the Weekend. We'll see how that one goes. But um, yeah, you been listening to anything else besides that? Um, no, not really. Um... Nothing that comes to mind. I've been listening to all the remixes, and I think that Dead Mouse uh, Neptune song was pretty interesting. I did not have those two for a collaboration. You know, I haven't listened to that yet. I did not realize it actually dropped. Oh, it's it's way more Neptunesy than mm-hmm. Dead Mousey, but um, both artists. I have heard music. that it was actually based off of a demo that Dead Mouse started in 2013 14 when he was still working on uh well well one is less than two and um kind of he was kind of experimenting with a bit of like a disco-y feel is that kind of where that went like more okay yes very much so very disco pretty funky I will get for all that vocals after this because I genuinely did not know that it actually came out I knew that he announced it but I didn't I didn't end up listening to the song um i'm a i'm a i'm a failure of a stand so <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah it's out there and the corona uh, virus is a perfect time to revive something that's been done and give people a taste of something that is new without yeah or even you get people ludicrous dropping it the money maker version with nelly um that was never released too and you get blessed with that so all different type of things and their beat battle that was going on uh that you're getting all That's different true. types of crazy stuff that maybe you never get um in the corona time so maybe some good's coming out of it um as well music wise at least 
Anyway, make sure that you give the new Lady Gaga album a listen as well. I know we will all be tuning in. Probably maybe we'll talk about some of that in the next episode. But on the other side of this, we are going to break down all of our memories, production, history, lyrics, everything in between. So listen to some notes that remind you of Bad Romance, and we'll see you on the other side. Now that we are back, we're going to break down some of our first reactions on on the song. I'm going to start, actually, with this one. Uh, My dad loves Lady Gaga and all of her music. Really no reason why, but he does. So um, he loves this song. So I've heard this song many, many times uh, in my life. Even now, to this day, uh, when I get in the car with him, he'll play it. Um, It's just something about it that is so maximalist that makes it just almost perfect uh, if not perfect too Um, but it's one of those songs where you're like you know you can sing along to it even if you don't know some of the lyrics I mean she speaks in French for part of it I'll kind of get into that in my part but even some of those that you're like I have no idea what she's saying but I'm going to try to sing along uh, with with what is going on in French Um, but everything in between too uh, between the you know production and everything is pretty stellar um and i believe this came out in late 2009 uh early 2010 in that area too so beginning of the decade end of the decade type of stuff so really just a sound that was even maybe a little bit different from her other stuff but also similar so she uh is an artist in many ways i know Stefan will kind of get into what that means in particular where she went to school and everything but that is pretty much when you think of Gaga, you think of this song, in my opinion, maybe Poker Face too, but this is levels above Poker Face. Um, what are your guys' reactions or memories of the song? Yeah, it's a huge smash. I think it charted a new course for Gaga that we'll get into. Um, but I think the reason why your dad might like the song is that while it's edgy and new, it kind of relies on a lot of 70s, 80s styles, pop ballad vocals uh, that she really blends with her electropop sound um and aside from that it is very different despite having a foot in the familiar i think as chris said last episode um because it's so like familiar with the the chorus the vocal delivery however the production is just wildly strange i remember being in the car with my friend's mom driving i couldn't drive quite yet um and she said what the hell is that sound are spiders crawling um <laughs> i and i still don't know what she's talking about to this point but yeah. it was just so fresh and that's new a good uh, that's actually a good way to describe it i feel like just in terms of how it makes you feel like it's almost kind of chilling um the so this was i i remember i remember being kind of taken aback when i first heard it as well um the i mean the intro itself is a whole ride just like mm-hmm. within the first like 30 seconds it switches between a number of different well, it just starts with a bang uh, it's like holy cow yeah. Uh, yeah we're we're starting and we're you're not getting off the ride until it's done what's yeah it really is a ride <laughs> what's <laughs> it's like you're getting carried off to a cult and with the first 30 seconds and you're getting you know you're crowd surfing into the cult it's it's scary yeah, yeah. But kind um, of exhilarating. what's interesting is that uh is that so this was um and i'll talk a bit more about this but this was co-produced by gaga and red one 
um, frequent collaborator at the time, um, big, big hit collaborator in general, but um, she's talked about like really wanting to kind of take the sound of this and, you know, make it a statement. Um, I mean, and it, and you can, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, this is the first single from the fame monster, kind of the second album slash re re-release of her first, uh, the fame after, um, you know, it, it really is her first in the, in the thick of fame, I guess. So this is, this is what happens yep. when Gaga enters the studio with high expectations and also high resources and for the first time and knocks it way out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. So I was trying to think off the top of my head, I was just looking real quick, but I was thinking that someone would said like red one in like one of their songs and I can't just dance. Maybe, maybe yeah. that was it. I see Enrique Iglesias too. So maybe that was like one of it. Um, he had was that he had a number of songs yeah I don't know but yeah so makes sense uh, with collaborating in that way I see even like the Cheetah Girls on here and stuff like that which is a little bit interesting but I mean Damn, that okay. just kind of shows that he was in on everything uh, oh turn me on yeah. Kevin Little um, some of that too yeah that's pretty awesome so yeah so a lot of range and different song uh, styles that way um, makes sense that they are going to collaborate and do all that. So um, any other thoughts or first reactions on the song? I think that one of the things that stands out to me is that this was kind of the second taste, second go around of a lot of the people knowing Gaga. And it just really was maybe perfect for her career at this point to, to have something like this Um, and the album in general too. But um, yeah. Yeah. I I think personally that this was, one of the first um this was one of the first solidifications of gaga as we kind of knew her in her first period of fame um in terms of just the experimental pop artist um of the modern era you know there the first few singles of the fame all were great like don't get me wrong but all were still were much more indebted to the sound of the time um in my opinion um you know love game just dance poker face um paparazzi was i mean we all remember that video Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that was probably one of the first um was probably one of the first moments that really kind of you know made you think okay this is (laughs) this is uh this is something completely new and then bad romance comes and you're like that wasn't a fluke this is who she is i mean it's it's wild to think about but she was i believe 23 She's when the song now, came out, um, yeah, she, she, you know, I, I mean, this is this is definitely kind of her uh, coming of age. Guess what, guys? Like, not only do I have this new sound, but I'm going to rewrite what pop music can be right now, mm-hmm. and you know. Welcome to the ride, like you said, Anthony. It definitely feels like a ride. Yeah. She's in complete control. Yeah, she was so eccentric, I think, and so, like, slap in the face. Not slap in the face, but, like, kind of, like, it just hit, and everyone was like, who the hell, and what is going on, and Mm -hmm. everything in between. So, and this continues on that, but, like you said, just kind of solidifies and goes, I'm here to stay, and y'all are going to like it or not, but, you know, here I am. So... Let's get into some of the history surrounding 
Lady Gaga and everything else in between. So, Stefan, take it away for us and let's hear all about her. So, who is Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga has four names. Stephanie Joanne, one of the names of her album, Angelina Germanata. The, the last name. Italian. Yeah, it's kind of ironic because she's Italian, but her last name mm-hmm. says Germanata. <laughs> the more you know. Um, so she is professionally trained, kind of has been throughout her life. Took a lot of piano lessons as a young girl, uh, kind of forced by her mother so that she would have a classical mindset growing up. Um, but it really started at around the age of 17 when she joined the Collaborative Arts Project 21 program through New York University, which is uh, quite a prestigious program, producing a lot of stars from Broadway um, to actors and sorts. And she's only 17, so she was an early admittance into this program. And from there, that kind of gave her a lot of her craft work. And she would use that um, after she became of age. She played gigs around New York's club scene throughout the mid-2000s. So she was in the thick of things. Um, If you think of New York in the mid-2000s, it's a few years after um, 2001, a few years before the Great Recession. It's kind of a grungy town. It's not like what we think of New York now. Um, It was kind of the underground scene. People were into a lot of Europop, a lot of like avant-garde electronic music. And that wasn't in the pop mainstream at the time where she was kind of getting her foot in the door. So that kind of helped craft the Gaga we have today. But she's not Lady Gaga yet. We'll get to that. So she eventually meets a producer, Rob Fusari. And this is how she gets her name, Lady Gaga. She He thought... She had a vocal delivery very similar to some 70s and 80s stars, David Bowie, Freddie Mercury. And you see that a lot in her stage presence, too. Um, So he thought of the Queen song Radio Gaga and gave her the name Lady Gaga from that. Pretty high praise to, you know, put that in, put her, someone who's not as known in the conversation with some of the greatest artists of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the talent was apparent, you know, since she was a little kid, um, going into that program through NYU, going through the underground New York scene. And as she meets more and more famous people, we'll just see that she's continuing to climb this ladder. Uh, one of these steps on the ladder is a woman named Lady Starlight. Um, and Lady Starlight was really instrumental to Gaga's career. They hosted weekly parties that featured them singing some of these 70s and 80s pop songs, and they performed together. Eventually, they get to the point of performing at Lollapalooza in 2007. Were they a headliner? No, they were probably one of the smaller names way down. But I remember her being there. I didn't go, but I remember it was like a big deal later on that they were like, Lady Gaga played the smallest stage in 2007. And then like three years later, she was, you know, he was yeah. even a couple of years after. Yeah, like one huge. or two. Yeah. So, I mean, as it goes, a lot of the time you have those, you know, you know, diamonds in the rough or hidden gems, but. Still, that is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's just kind of uh, a big reason to check out the smaller names on a festival list, right? You never know who you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they blow up. Yeah, for sure. So Starlight and Lady Gaga, they continue to perform together. Starlight is about 11 years older than her. So she's kind of a mentor. And Lady Gaga actually gives Starlight a lot of credit for giving Gaga her on-stage persona, and this includes the crazy costumes. Think of all the crazy costumes when you think of Lady Gaga wearing meat to some award ceremony. You know, um, look at the Bad Romance video itself. She's got like a Bart Simpson hat. 
it's this is all due to Lady Starlight. So big shout out to Lady Starlight for giving us what we know as Gaga. The meat that is an iconic fit by Lady Gaga. <laughs> the the meat dresser, whatever it was. Do you guys know if there was actual oh, meat yeah. or like fake meat? Because it was. It was yeah, actual, it was actual meat. meat. Oh, that's disgusting. You're in LA or something. <laughs> hey, modern. but it got they got the the people talking and got them, you know, maybe publicity stunned a little bit, but it, it worked. You're right. We're talking about it in 2020, so it worked. Mm-hmm. So Gaga signs a deal with Sony after all this. She's at Lollapalooza. She's known in the New York scene. She now goes to L.A. She writes songs for big names, Britney Spears, Pussycat Dolls, Fergie, New Kids on the Block. One interesting thing that I learned, um, one of the songs she wrote for Britney Spears actually was Telephone, and that was for Britney Spears' album Circus. It did not make the cut, but um, Gaga would feature that on The Fame Monster, which also had bad romance. Now, while she's working with Sony, she also worked for Interscope, and it was here where she met one of my favorite pop stars ever, Akon. And I love Akon, number one, because he's Akon. And number two, because he really helped Lady Gaga. Um, he really digged her sound after he saw her recording a reference vocal. And Chris, for the people, what is a reference vocal? Yeah, so she um, basically, and it's insane to think about this from Lady Gaga at the time, but it's it's Lady Gaga recording someone else's song as an idea for of what the of how the lyrics should be you know, sung and performed for a, for a larger star to eventually record. Yeah, that's crazy to me that she was doing like kind of grunt work, just recording how somebody should sing a song. And that's how a huge yeah. pop star, Akon, discovers her and kind of gives her this huge pedestal yeah. to step on. Yeah, which is also like that that's kind of become um, a bit of like a uh what's the word like like a you know it's like a story told amongst songwriters like looking to break through um i remember hearing julia michaels talk about that as part of an inspiration for her um kind of stepping out from behind the mic and starting a solo career i mean you know definitely one of those things again like you know it's shocking for us to hear it but just imagine being you know, someone who's recorded reference vocals uh, and having dreams of something bigger, you know, Gaga, Gaga paved the path. Yeah. When they make, and it's when, not if the Lady Gaga movie, that'll be a cool scene. I wonder who will play Akon, but that's, that's a, that's a discussion to be had. It should be Akon. Yeah. Akon should play Akon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They can DH him. They DH him. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, um, thank you, Akon. Um, he signs Lady Gaga to his own record, Con Live, and this is where she meets Red One, who is also associated with Akon. Um, if you listen to Just Dance, they all blurt out their names. That's how I know. That's mm-hmm. how I knew in 2008. Um, so she would stay mm-hmm. on that record for a while through her first three albums, leaving after Born This Way. So after she signed to Con Live, they released The Fame. Now, the fame is how we, the public, are introduced to Lady Gaga. It's a huge debut album released in August 2008. Um, To paint that picture, when we discussed the Live Your Life episode, this is like right in the midst of the Great Recession and a presidential election. And you have the first single, Just Dance. Everything's going to be okay. It's a very distracting song, very happy-go-lucky. And that's what studio executives really wanted. They wanted pop music that 
just was kind of mindless and told the people, here's a distraction, get out, go do something. And that wasn't what Gaga was about, but we'll get to that. This recipe worked for this album. Like Chris just mentioned, you have Poker Face, you have Love Game, you have Paparazzi. Just Dance and Poker Face were the first two singles. They both go number one. Love Game's at number five. Paparazzi's at number six. So your first four out of five singles go in the top ten. Massive. How do you follow that up? She releases the Fame Monster. This is how we get Bad Romance. Not even a year later. And it's a reissue of the Fame with eight new songs. Kind of too long for an EP. They didn't want to blend it, so they just reissued it. And it's really interesting. Lady Gaga describes the difference between the Fame and the Fame Monster as yin and yang. Um, with the Fame, it's about wanting, yearning, fighting for Fame. Think about Gaga and her career at this point. She just wants to make it. Think about the song Paparazzi, kind of really exemplifies that. Now, the Fame Monster deals with the opposite effect of that Fame. Um, each of the songs is about a different monster, a negative effect of achieving those heights. So you have Alejandro, Telephone, Speechless. These are much more personal. Um, in the case of Speechless, it's about her dad being an alcoholic. That kind of stuff the studio did not want on the fame. But once Gaga has four top 10 hits, two of going number one, she's allowed to have creative liberty. So one of these fears of the assorted monsters of fame is the fear of love. And that's how we get Bad Romance, which is the first song and the first single off the fame monster. Bad Romance was officially released on October 23rd, 2009, and it just rose like wildfire. Think about Lady Gaga. She has four top ten hits. The public loved her. The public knew her. This was new. This was fresh. It hits number two on the Billboard's Hot 100 on December 5th, 2009. And Chris and I were talking about this earlier. It had a very long run at number two, um, seven weeks total, but it would actually alternate between the number two and the number three spot for 11 straight weeks, which is crazy to me. Uh, Chris, do you think of any other song that comes to mind with that kind of rain? Yeah, I mean, in terms of... There's there's kind of the famous uh, song that never that never pushed past the number two spot, um, which was "Work It" by Missy Elliott, um, and I want to say that was ten weeks stuck at number two, which um, apparently was. So if I, I I'm thinking of this completely off the top of my head, but I think it was behind "Lose Yourself" by Eminem, which makes yeah, sense. totally. <laughs> but um, but obviously that song, you know, it's "Work It." Like we know we know that song for. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't hindered. And if anything, that's still, that's a testament to its strength in the face of a mega hit that also happened to be there at the time. Now in more recent, uh, memory, I remember, um, I remember a song that spent, must've been like, must've been like 11 weeks or something like that. Something absurd behind the longest running number one in billboard history, old town road, uh, was Bad Guy uh, by Billie mm -hmm. Eilish. Interesting. I, I do remember, yeah, I remember people kind of saying, you know, 10 years ago, something uh, something very similar happened to Bad Romance. So it's, uh, you know, kind of some parallels in terms of just, just a shot to stardom there. Although, I mean, it's really hard to compare anyone. Gaga, obviously. Well, hold on to that Billie Eilish thought. I think we'll get back to her when we talk about Lady Gaga. And I know we've had some discussions off there about 
some comparisons between the two. But hold tight. Um, you're right about the number two. Billboard also agrees this was the biggest hot 100 hit to peak at number two. In 2015, they described it as a modern classic and was you know, the best song to be number two without hitting that number one spot. So when I thought of Bad Romance, I thought it totally hit number one. And Billboard agreed it probably it should seems have. like it. Yeah. In terms of other accolades and success, we have 5.9 million digital downloads as of 2019. That is huge. The song won a Grammy in 2011 uh, for the best female pop vocal performance. So we all know it as a huge hit, but I think Chris touched on this on the preface to the song. Um, apart from the chart success that we finally see, this is the moment we get Lady Gaga in all caps, unrestrained. And I think she says it best with the lyrics, and I'm a guy, I'm going to say this. It's going to sound really weird. I'm a free bitch, baby. She's Gaga. I don't think it sounded weird at all. I'll say it again. I'm a free bitch, baby. There you have it. Um, Gaga was declaring it. She's like going to be herself. She's going to be more personal. She's not only going to like push the edges of the boundaries of pop, she's going to redefine pop. And I think that's what Bad Romance should really be known for. Um, She blended pop with high concept art. Think of the music video. This music video has 1.2 billion views. It was the most viewed video since... Baby would later break that record, but when it was released, it was the most viewed video on YouTube. And um, we never saw art like that. Maybe Michael Jackson, um, but that was decades before in the MTV era. We kind of lost the love of the music video. Gaga brought it back, and she made bizarre pop again, and she made pop bizarre. And when we talk about Billie Eilish, I think if you look at her videos you have to draw parallels with Lady Gaga. And in fact, one of the album art um, alternative covers for the fame monster has Lady Gaga crying black eye liquid. And I saw that and I just thought that is Billie Eilish. She was eight. I never made that connection. Yeah, she's like eight or seven when this came out. She had to have been inspired. Look at the alternative art cover for the fame monster. And it's exactly what Billie Eilish does in her videos. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I see it <laughs> I did, now. I yeah. did not connect that until now. Yeah, it, it's just That's like crazy. blatant, and I don't think it's like mimicry or copying. I think it's kind of an homage. Billie Eilish has done a lot of videos. She's not crying black liquid in all of them, um, but she's re- always pushing that boundary of bizarre. I'm going to keep you on your toes, but I'm going to keep um, giving you this kind of pop sound you're used to, but just in a new way. So after Bad Romance happens, uh, Lady Gaga does very well with the fame monster. You have Alejandro and Telephone. They do very well. Alejandro peaks at number five, Telephone at number three. And you guys know the rest of the story. Lady Gaga has five more albums, a Super Bowl, um, some Academy Award love with Shallow, which also goes number one. She has a Vegas residency. Anthony, as a fan of Vegas, do you know how much those tickets are going for? Uh, a lot of money. I think like face value for them is like at least $300. My dad and I were at a uh, concert for ZZ Top uh, once and this guy was like, we got to get back to Lake Tahoe because of a snowstorm and I am trying to sell these tickets for Lady Gaga. And he goes, I'm trying to get 900 out of them and I can probably get more than that actually. And it was like one of the hottest tickets in town. So, um, pretty telling with how big she is now still and that was her piano and jazz show which is different 
than her normal show, but like still pretty crazy to think that someone would pay that much for, I mean, it's more intimate setting, but I mean, I'm like, that's a lot of freaking money to spend uh, for one concert. Well, this was, this was the, this was the Tony Bennett. Yeah. So it's right around that time. And like maybe a little bit after it was like maybe right after Joanne, but she's still friends with Tony Bennett and everything too. So he would show up, but um, yeah, even for Vegas standards, that's a high price to pay for a show that, you know, is been going. A lot of those shows are shorter too because they want you to go and gamble. So you're not yeah. even getting the full experience a lot of the time that maybe you would get seeing on tour or anything. So pretty cool, but also I mean, crazy. in fairness, that's a that's in fairness, that's a pretty unmatched thing to. Think oh yeah, about. Like stripped Gaga, down Gaga. Gaga yeah. possibly Gaga possibly Tony Bennett in a in a little intimate setting doing mostly piano um, based work, which I mean. We'll talk about we'll talk about this, but Gaga's um, Gaga's affinity for the piano is incredible, um, and I mean she I she definitely is an artist who I would love to see live one day. Um, I don't know when or how that would possibly happen at this Man, point, I but I it, it would be. I mean, shoot, I can only imagine uh, you know how powerful that is. Yeah, I remember she was supposed to go on tour with Kanye that one time too, and that didn't even happen. So. <laughs> Who's fault that, was that? A big, that was a big thing and why why and why did that not happen Kanye? i don't know uh, maybe some scheduling conflicts but <laughs> yeah so any, <laughs> maybe some maybe some mic grabbing conflicts. i don't know um anything else that we that you want to say about lady gaga's career or anything up to this point um it's just been massive um i think we kind of mentioned with the vegas talk and the tony bennett that um she's taken a lot of directions musically Apart from the Super Bowl, apart from the Vegas residency, apart from being in um, a Grammy award-winning movie, um, she's had five albums after the Fame Monster, Born This Way, Art Pop, Cheek to Cheek with Tony Bennett. Um, that's when she starts redirecting her sound towards that piano, um, you know, singer-songwriter vibe. Joanne is really stripped down. But I think with Chromatica, which will be dropping a day after we release this podcast, maybe the day of... Um, she's going to kind of return to a sound that is more present <clears throat> on the fame and the fame monster. So in light of bad romance, I'm optimistic that we'll get more Lady Gaga songs that kind of go back to that era of her career, electro pop, avant-garde art pop. Full circle, hopefully. So we'll wait and see on that end. All right. Well, great breakdown as always, Stefan, Chris, let's get into all the production and everything that's going in with this. Yeah. And there's, there's quite a bit, um, we kind of touched on already. Um, so this is definitely, uh, this is definitely at a point in, uh, in Lady Gaga's discography where she had a lot to prove and you can hear it almost in just how much she pulled out the stops for this. So bad romance was obviously all an all eyes on her kind of moment. Um, she just had a landmark performance of paparazzi at the VMAs. Um, she's she's obviously still kind of riding high on um, on that. Uh, she she went on SNL in October twenty uh, two thousand nine, um, a couple weeks before this, and did a medley uh, where she performed. She was performing po- Poker Face and Love Game but started out with kind of a piano acoustic version snippet of this song 
It was the first anyone had heard of it. And um, I, um, I, I do remember when, uh, when this happened. Um, big fan of SNL and big fan of the music performances in particular. And, you know, the Gaga, um, the Gaga performance was an event at the time, obviously. Um, when she started out with an unknown song, I remember just it kind of caught me immediately. And probably one of the reasons is because Bad Romance to me has multiple Im- incredible hooks, like multiple hooks that would be career defining for any other artist in one song. Um, obviously, the the main um, oh, 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 that hook um, is the one that comes to mind for me, but um it it almost but doesn't quite overshadow how catchy the chorus itself the i want your loving and i want your revenge um how catchy that hook is and for that matter how effective the kind of almost off key love 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 bit of the verse is i mean the whole thing is just quintessentially gaga um you can hear her musical drama influenced uh upbringing you can hear her love for, and she she spoke about this, um, the sound of Eastern Europe uh, techno, and you can hear her um, you can hear her dreams of just pushing past the boundaries of what the modern pop star and what modern even stadium stadium performance could sound like. So the song itself um, it leaked uh, it leaked as a demo pretty. Um, Pretty shortly after the SNL performance, um, Gaga at the time was actually on Twitter, um, which is which is kind of funny. Again, like, you know, you think about um, you think about artists on Twitter like it's an afterthought these days. But at that point, 2009, like not not at all for not at all to be taken for granted. Um, she has a, a pretty famous tweet where she said leaked next single is making my ears bleed. Wait till you hear the real version. And a few days later, the real version came out. Um, some, th- some think that it might have been pushed up a little bit um, as a result of that. Regardless, it still it still came just after the SNL performance. So you had a pretty a pretty sustained hype cycle for a good two three weeks from hearing, for that matter, the the snippet that was on SNL was the chorus, that incredible melody, to all of a sudden this comes out on iTunes. Um, I remember seeing that album cover shoot to the top of the charts, just blood red, um, almost gothic, just very much. Oh my god! Okay, this is gonna be <laughs> um, the uh, the and you start the song and it, it like like we've said, it's a ride. You start off with just ethereal vocals. You go pretty quickly into a. A uh, weirdly almost reggae in hindsight uh, kind of bridge to do the rah rah, uh, uh, which is another incredible career defining refrain in any other person's hands. But again, like I didn't even think about it during that first discussion. Um, moves and then moves really swiftly into just pounding techno. Um, she she noted that she spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe um, during the latter half of the Fame tour. Um, and just really got into the sound at that time. It was also the sound that was kind of, it, you know, it was already starting to pick up steam, but you'd start to see it really hit the mainstream in the next year. Um, song, 
songs like uh, Stereo Love um, by two artists whose name I do not care. Say Edward Maya. Uh, Some Maya's. Yeah, in there. Edward Maya and yeah, and I do not. I I do not know how to pronounce. I have song. a dog named Maya. But, That's the only reason I remember. Anyway. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and Maya is an iconic dog. <laughs> Shout out um, to Maya. <laughs> the song, the song as well is iconic, and um, that sort of sound, the pounding, um, pounding Euro synth uh, music, came pretty quickly in Bad Romance's wake. Um, it was also kind of a signature sound that Red One uh, was sort of known for. So he was, uh, he was behind Just Dance, obviously, but. Um, he also had a hand in Poker Face, uh, Love Game, the rest of pretty much the rest of the album. Um, as a co-producer, he um, his one of his signature sounds is these really like um, they to me they sound extremely airy. Um, these like saw synths that you hear them very clearly at the beginning of Just Dance, just those synths and nothing else, and it almost sounds like a vibration. Um, I remember that my dad referring to as ringtone music and it's, <laughs> it kind of, it kind of could fit as a ringtone. I'll give him that. But, um, the, that was, a uh, that was definitely kind of a sound of not only the end of the two thousands that time, obviously we've talked about the, a number of different styles that were kind of hitting their peak at the, at the moment, but it definitely ushered in an era pretty much immediately afterwards in the start of the 2010s. Um, Bad Romance obviously was still at its peak as we hit the new uh, the new decade, and um, in my opinion, I think it was one of the biggest uh, influences for the next ten years. So, uh, one thing about the synths um, um, when I listen to this song, I think it's a beautiful song. If there's anything that's aged the most quickly, or aged aged most quickly, um, it is the sound mm-hmm. of the synth. It's kind of just similar to other songs we hear in that era which you defined but what is exactly that sound of the late 2000s early 2010s and why don't we hear it nowadays <laughs> i i mean honestly because it just kind of became pretty dated due to saturation pretty quickly um so so i kind of touched on it briefly but that sound is it's very much based in a saw wave um you hear those really jagged almost edges uh of it it sounds like a. It sounds just jarringly digital, but also a little warm. Yes. Um, what I what I always notice is that mixing wise, they always cut out the low ends, which um, which kind of leads to, in my opinion, why it sounds almost hollow. And I don't want to say the word cheap because at the time it wasn't, um, but it's those are the sorts of synths that are kind of baby's first garage band preset when you uh when you open up the retro uh synth in logic pro um they uh but it really did kind of define the time i mean that's the sort of thing you you could hear it in uh i i always think of i like it by enrique and pitbull um <laughs> that's like you hear that sort of like fist pumping sound you think of the jersey shore i think of, i think red one did that too actually the Jersey Shore, or um, I like it. I like it because I think he goes red like one, it. red one in the beginning of this song. So it's true. Yeah, I think of right which, above which it was... as when I think of cheesy late two thousands, early two thousand ten synths. 
Yeah, and it definitely crossed over into rap pretty quickly. Um, you always, you also, just before this, I remember, um, I want to say it was like near the end of the cycle of, um, of, uh, <laughs> of the fame where you have one of Gaga's only featured, uh, featured turns on a single, Chillin' by Wale. <laughs> I forgot about that. God, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. all the people. Which is insane to think about. Yeah. But anyway, um, that that sort of sound that sort of era was pretty synth defined um again it came a few years after um after fruity loops hit the mainstream with soldier boy and um kind of also speaks to just increasing accessibility um sound songs like day and night um by kid cuddy you know um people like dot the genius uh who was behind that song really uh kind of came up being able to harness that sound with uh, with kind of a more personal touch uh but still making it um like they were able to kind of emulate the sound of the people with millions of dollars behind their production from their bedroom for the first time ever um it was just very much it was very much the sound of the time for a number of reasons but i think one of the biggest is just due to accessibility which is also why it became so saturated now chris for a sec i want to kind of is it just that everyone borrows it or like everyone hops on the train like the thing that i think of was like in 2015 maybe it's a little bit earlier than that everyone's like hey we're gonna use a fucking saxophone in our song and i don't give a shit and it was like it, it was it was like one less problem it was that GDFR song yeah gdfr yeah. um their thrift shop it was just like holy shit like okay i get it like you know the saxophone's been an instrument for yeah. Thousands of years, maybe not thousands, but a long time, and everyone just now is hopping on it. And then, like now, you don't hear it as much. So I don't know if that's why it just goes, yeah. it's in and it goes out, just like styles or fashion or anything trends. Yeah, I mean, and I think it. I think this was part of it again. Like it, there's usually a an engineering reason behind it. If all the ba- major producers are starting to use it, but. Now, it's not always as cl- as clear black and white. I think it was a big part, kind of a um, everyone follows in line. This is what's getting played in the clubs nowadays. Um, the other thing is, and um, I kind of wanted to, I kind of want to bring this up in terms of Bad Romance's production, and in particularly in how it's aged and still, frankly, slaps Absolutely. to this day. Um, this was this was around the time that people were really pump, starting to pump and compress low ends because. Clubs were um, clubs were really getting like club ready pop music was really becoming the trend at the time. You um, you know you had the next the next decade of EDM was bubbling up. Um, David Guetta was waiting in the wings um, at the time of this song. Um, the that sound so that sound definitely was kind of a um, kind of a bandwagon thing in some degrees, but. It's funny when you said 2015, I was kind of starting to think um, that you were going to talk about a different thing, which goes in the other direction where it's accessibility, which was the Jack U snare. Yes. Also that. You know yeah, which one I, I know about. exactly which one you're talking um, about. Yes. Yeah, Skrillex <laughs> and, and Diplo because, go, hey, we're going to use this. Everyone's like, this is great. Let's do it. No, exactly. Someone someone uses it. It, it hits the big time. It becomes replicable. Um, this sort of synth as well is extremely easy to make, (laughs) um, from a, from a composition standpoint, it's literally either just multiple saw waves. Some people refer to it as a super saw or a saw wave and a square. Um, it's 
extremely easy to replicate. Like I said, it became kind of a traditional preset um, in a lot of the more accessible um, audio workstations. I, I, so I can't, so yeah, it, it, it's not clear to say like, oh, everyone just kind of hopped onto it, but it, it definitely was conducive to the kind of saturation. It, it's the same thing that's happening in my opinion uh, right now with the, um, kind of baby um, Playboy Cardi uh, trap music with no kick drums, just the 808 bass driving the beat. Um, that that sort of sound is going to sound extremely dated in a couple of years. I love it. I think it slaps, but it's, it is 100% going to sound dated because, again, saturation. You know, it's what, it's what everyone's seeing is working. It's what everyone's getting a reaction out of. And, um, and that's kind of just been the thing over time. Um, it's kind of the root of why we think of individual sounds. Um, the, one of the early old ones that I remember is when Phil Collins figured out how to do a gated reverb, um, for in the air tonight. And then all of a sudden the entire rest of the eighties started doing gated reverb on everything. Um, you know, sound a sign of the times, I guess. Um, but yeah, that definitely leads to kind of saturation. You get to the point where you're like, God, everyone's using a saxophone. <laughs> and uh, and then all of a sudden... It Literally everyone was. I wasn't mad about it, but I was yeah. just like, everyone... The weekend brought it back. I will say that uh, in your eyes as a sax solo. And we might be getting more sax after Maybe a few sax years. Sax is making we're, a comeback. We're also, yeah, we're also seeing a little bit of a like kind of 80s funk um sort of thing come back as well um similar similar note there but yeah i mean the only other things that i really want to um kind of emphasize with bad romance again this is right at the start of the edm era um you get kind of those risers and um and all that bombast but what's interesting to me is that it does still have um a lot of the sounds of the era that was just ending which is the bombastic hip-hop era um we kind of we talked about kind of the corniness <laughs> that um that drove a lot of the hip-hop hits at the time um but what's interesting to me is that this song kind of bridges the gap in terms of a couple of a couple of bits of instrumentation um to me the one of the most um one of the most notable bits of percussion that always stood out to me in the verses were the little rim shots um that kind of punctuate everything like like it ends up uh it ends up kind of um kind of driving the beat in a weird little those are the spider sounds Um, that my friend's mom was so appalled at i guess they are spidery i mean they're they kind of just they kind of just creep into the into the like upper mid-range and it kind of feels a bit cerebral um the other the other thing to me um was always gaga's Gaga's vocals herself um, in the verses. I kind of mentioned the staccato a bit, but she'd she'd layer a little bit of saturation or distortion over her vocals and kind of stick to that lower mid range um, and really emphasize the the lower end of her voice, um, which which definitely has some commonalities with some of the southern rap that was big in the early um, in the early to mid two thousands and particularly in how it was how it kind of evolved into the auto-tune era. Um, I think, uh, so in in that way, I think that the song kind of 
it it was it was extremely smart um again with the we're taking a bit of the familiar we're but we're bringing it into something new i mean this is a common time dance song almost the exact same bpm around 120 as um as just dance poker face um but all the elements you can hear gaga pulling uh more and more confidently from her repertoire of stuff that was a little bit out of um out of the pop lexicon at the time and this definitely i i one day we are going to be able to go over born this way songs on here and um and i have a lot to say about born this way and what it what it brought into the mainstream musical canon um this was this was the start of gaga being able to really uh to really take styles that kind of are jarring really and make them make them something as ubiquitous as bad romance like you could hear this at a wedding nowadays <laughs> you know it's it's that kind of song now and that speaks a ton to her ability to just craft pop push things forward and basically get you on board with her yeah that's what all the good ones do they make things that are weird or different into something that is so genuine and so listenable that you wouldn't even know um and i think that's what we've done a lot of the time too with samples and you know influences everything too so great yeah really great breakdown of the production and everything surrounding it and Spider sounds. I think that's a scientific term uh, that we'll use now for <laughs> creepy for, crawly <laughs> spider sounds. Yeah. Speaking of Billy. Yeah, for real. Yeah, Billy Eilish. Uh, <laughs> she had spiders it. crawling uh, out of her mouth and eyes, right? Yeah. Uh, so creepy. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, now it's time to break down some of the lyrics. So let's kind of just get into it. Um, I'm going to do it a little bit different this time. I'm not going to break down pretty much every lyric in order different things i'm just going to kind of give my you know views on what's going on um first thing that i always or that i think about this is that the lyrics are twisted and raw that's the two words that came to me right away when i thought of these and obviously when you think of bad romance a bad romance maybe it is a little twisted maybe it's a little raw you know you don't know what's going on um she said it was about being in love with your best friend didn't really get that on my end. I can kind of see it now, though, like diving deeper into the lyrics that it is, you know, kind of like, you know, I want your love and I want your revenge. You and me can have a bad romance. So I can kind of see how maybe it could be something that isn't seen. You know, they said like, you know, maybe you don't fall in love with your best friend. You don't date them, things like that. So maybe that is some of that influence as well. Um, she wrote in Eastern Europe and had 90s influence. And that's pretty apparent in the chorus, especially. Um, when you hear it, you're oh, yeah. like, okay, this is very... She had 70s and 80s influences, like Stefan said, but this was based off a of 90s influence that she had said um, as well. I didn't know if you guys could think of other type of 90s songs that kind of sound like this chorus. Um, I couldn't think of any just oh, yeah. right off the top of my head, but I thought that maybe you guys would have some. Yeah, the one that comes immediately to mind, um, and it's funny because we were talking about One Hit Wonders earlier today, um, but it also actually has those same kind of ravey saw synths. Better off alone by Alice DJ. Do you think you're better off alone? Oh yeah, the mm -hmm. like just really soaring, really dramatic uh, hook. 
but it's and it's just designed for a rave sing along. Yeah, that would be maybe a, a perfect example actually of any '90s influence uh, with this as well. Um, and I have some takes on this song too, so we'll see if you guys uh, like some of my <laughs> yeah. takes. Actually, they're going to go on here. I will say, um, sorry, one more one more '90s song that I just realized really connected, um, really kind of reminds me of this is uh, "Block Rock and Beats" by the Chemical Brothers. If you guys ever um, have heard that one, or um, or if anyone listening to this um, wants to go look that up, um, definitely kind of a transition out of the trip hop era. So another parallel with um, kind of influence in uh, hip hop, but. Um, but very much kind of a based in chance builds into a euphoric sort of chorus element. Um, I think that was a big part of nineties dance music. And that was definitely kind of the first, um, the first era of electronic mainstream stuff. So I can, I can a hundred percent see where she's coming from with that. I never really made that connection. Yeah. And actually I just thought of one too. Um, believe by share. You kind of get that. Yes. I don't know why I just thought of that right out of nowhere, (laughs) but I was like, wait, uh, and I was like, late nineties, but yeah, I think that you kind of get that too. So I, I think the structure of the way, you know, the, the chords and, are delivered are very 90s but i think the way the vocal performance is delivered is 70s and 80s it's really anthemic think of arena rock like i want your love and i want your revenge think about how she sings that it's very bombastic it's very bowie it's very mercury but mm-hmm. then the way it's actually laid out is very 90s yeah. when it comes so, to the production yeah so morphing everything and like we said she's progressing her career and you know fame monster so she's bringing in different stuff so pretty cool actually that she's progressing maybe even through the decades at that point um as well too uh with her music um so it starts off with the you know she's bellowing uh with the o's in the beginning um and then you get like chris said earlier the famous you know rah 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 ah, ah." and hear me out on this we bashed soldier boy for putting (laughs) the dot dot da 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 it's not much different, but somehow it's way fucking better um, when, when she does it. Um. I'll tell you what makes it better is that the entire rest of the song isn't just a variation of that one melody. Yes, so that is why. So I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but I just thought it was funny because they have the it same. A, it is type a fair of, comparison. They have this, the Daz and Raz. I was like, it's pretty similar, actually, like in, you know, hearing, but it is way better. Um when she does it. Um, and also, she had also said too, that the Roma, I mean like people, you Roma's, you know, Rome in it, Italian, but it's the beginning of romance too. So it is just her playing around Gaga being Gaga, oh. as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> When Shallow never, came out, never connected that when either. Shallow came out, they were like, hey, we wrote this, but then we let her do her own thing when she did like her, you know, bridge. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I think of when it's Gaga. Mm-hmm. So like, this is just what she is and everything going on. Not that you would know it at the time, but she was working towards that. And now you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Uh, with Very European influence songwriting there too. Go, kind of like playing off of yeah, the syllables, like the Max definitely. Martin style. Um, so... She um, is Italian herself, but she is actually flu- basically fluent in French. Um, so she has her, her French lyrics uh, that are later um, on in the song. And it does translate to, I want your love and I want your revenge in, Fr- in French. Um, but it is artsy. So like Stefan said, 
NYU program early admit she actually was eligible to go to Juilliard as a child too, but decided to go to a private school um, instead in New York. So she has the art and it's in her blood and she's, you know, played piano for all this time. But I think it adds that little bit of art to what is already artsy even more so. So it's just piling on, piling on um, at this point. So that's really a nice touch. Um, Like I said, I couldn't pronounce it at all, but you, you still are like singing along and you're like, I hope I'm saying this right. Probably not, but maybe I am uh, for those of you who don't know French too. Um, another thing that I thought about with the lyrics were there are raw sexual lyrics to this song and that is pretty <laughs> evident, of course, too. I won't get into everything with it, but you know, she says disco stick. I think everyone out there knows what disco stick is. Uh, if you don't, I'm not going to say it here, but put two and two together pretty also a call back to love game yes that is have some fun this beat is sick i want to have some fun on your disco stick so yes um my mom hated that song uh, for many reasons (laughs) not mom approved (laughs) not mom approved uh on that one um so that was a callback um and she also says in one of it uh rear window baby you are sick um also implications rear window Rear end, maybe. Oh, um, Anthony, I never thought of that. Either. I didn't either oh. until I was looking through <laughs> stuff. Um, she also mentions in a line, um, I want your le- leather-studded kiss in the sand. So she does have some ties to um, maybe some other tendencies that she might be into. Um, I also thought, and I'd like to get your guys' take on this, this song came out before S&M by Rihanna. Um Maybe this song had some influence on Rihanna being like, well, shit, if Lady Gaga is saying whatever she wants, maybe I'm just going to make a song about S&M, which is, was a huge hit in its own right, too. So I didn't know what your guys' thoughts were on you know, Gaga maybe being like, hey, I'm going to say what I want, and maybe other people will be more open talking about things sexually or just yeah. on top of everything. I can yeah, see that. I think there's two points there. Yes, the BDSM aspect of... Um, a lot of people said that this song, Bad Romance, kind of like, uh, if you think of the video in particular, kind of awoken Lady Gaga's sexuality that, you know, would persist into her later albums, um, especially when you look at the fame, the pure pop songs, and the effect it had on other pop stars like Rihanna. Yeah, maybe it did embrace them to do that. And then when you think of SNM and this song, we talked about syllables. And I think of Rihanna and Lady Gaga as delivering a lot of syllables like as we talked about the bridge Roma Romama and think of S&M think of Just Dance where she's drawing out the Just Dance for Lady Gaga um, mm-hmm. on Rihanna's part think of Umbrella Ella 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 A A A A and we talked about how the Swedes are really good at this it's intertwined with pop music so I think those are two parallels you can make between those two artists as well yeah and both huge at this time obviously I mean Rihanna actually was you know younger than Lady Gaga, but she had already done more to this point, debatably, and uh, to this point too. Yeah. Um. But still, pretty cool to think maybe like even Lady Gaga said this stuff, these lyrics, and it was like maybe a you know switch that fl- flipped with some people to to do this. Um. And another thing that I thought was cool too is she says "psycho vertigo stick rear window." Those are all Alfred Hitchcock movies, actually. Um, and they are all horror themed as well yeah. too. Um, and she mentions that of course, uh, in the lyrics, uh, where she says, I want your horror. I, I want that. your design because you're a criminal as long as you're mine. 
Um, that went way over my head. Um, actually, when I was looking through stuff, I was like, that is pretty freaking cool. Um, and she did admit yeah. to it that that was one of those things that, you know, this song, when you when you look at the video and you hear everything, you're like, this is eerie. And it is, you know, a little bit, like, mm-hmm. creepy maybe and everything. And, like, just to, like, put in things like that, that lyricism is pretty damn incredible actually to um to put it um yeah maybe some people would have noticed that but that was something that went over my head for the longest time honestly i did not know that until just now and that's wild yeah it it went over my head too and honestly it makes sense after reading into um the background behind the fame monster um each song is supposed to be a monster she was really obsessed with horror movies so alfred alfred hitchcock is an obvious inspiration to draw from yeah, and I mean, career, you know, defining moment for her. And like Alfred Hitchcock, I mean, has probably had influence on many, many people, but still pretty cool that she can tie that in and pretty seamlessly, too, that people wouldn't know, um, maybe. And then, I mean, all the other lyrics are great, too. Um, I won't really go into it. The chorus is amazing. I was listening to it today again, you know, and you're just like, I can't stop and i want to sing this so loud and so you know just going and even like Stefan said earlier i mean you want to yell out like when she goes because i'm a free bitch baby like you're like you know like you're just like in it and you're not getting off the ride till it's done like i said and better buckle up because it's it's going and it's not stopping all right now that we have broken down everything regarding this song let's get into some segments here First one, we are going on the fly with this one, so this should be a little bit interesting. Um, Let's do our top five Lady Gaga songs. This one might be the hardest one yet, actually. Um, I know, Chris, you're a big Coldplay Mm -hmm. fan, but this is pretty damn hard to get into it. So I'll actually start um, with this one today. Um, I'll go five through one. I think my fifth favorite Lady Gaga song would have to be Born This Way. Um, that is a great song. Um, it has a deeper meaning, of course, um, on top of everything else. Um, for a song that, you know, powerful to be that big was huge for the time, too. So really awesome that that song um, was as big as is even today as well still. I'll say four for me uh, will be Paparazzi. Um, Paparazzi is not quite a ballad. Chris, you can, you know, chime in on that one, too. Um it's not a ballad, but it has that feel of it. It, it is a great story. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a little bit like Lucky, in my opinion. Um, it's kind of like the same type of song um, that it is. Hey, like, you know, I'm get, I'm famous. And, you know, what do famous people have? The paparazzi, of course, that are following them. So uh, great song in that uh, context. Next one for me, number three, would probably be telephone um telephone for me is uh pretty iconic uh you know i mean like we think of a telephone now and you know it's more than a telephone of course but at the time uh i believe this is the music video where and that might be video phone but she's driving through the desert is that what uh telephone was or is that video phone i think that was telephone because yeah video phone was more of like the dancing yeah, it was like it was like the two of them dancing, and it was like kind of shifting between shots, but they were very similar. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was one of the things I remember too was, of course, when you get the 
Lady Gaga song you're waiting for the video that's going to go along with it because of how Archie is and everything else um, in between as well. My number two song would probably be Just Dance. Just Dance is iconic. Uh, Colby O'Donis kind of sounds like Akon in that song. I don't think that that's a... Um, I think that's on purpose <laughs> a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But you're kind of like, this might be... Colby Adonis, but it might be Akon uh, as well. Um, but that is a great song. Still gets played to this day. Um, and my number one song that is not Bad Romance would be Poker Face. Um, it's mm -hmm. iconic. You, you'll sing it over and over again. Pa, 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 poker Face. Pa, pa, poker Face. Mama, um, mama. Yeah, and we were watching Parks and Rec the other day, and <laughs> Leslie Nope sings it uh, after coming back from the club, and <laughs> she has it stuck in her head. I mean, that was around that time, but um, just hilarious, but also just a, a great song overall. So Bad Romance is the top one, but uh, Poker Face would get that number one spot if Bad Romance did not exist. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I got this. I'm going to force myself to not overthink this. So, uh, number five is going to be Speechless off of uh, The Fame Monster. Um, that's an all-time favorite of mine. Um, kind of Elton John influence and definitely prescient of the next uh, the next era of Gaga. Um, number four is, <laughs> is going to be Heavy Metal Lover from Born This Way. Wow. I, I know. I know. Don't. Don't. <laughs> look. Look. I love industrial music. I love I love electronic music. That that album has some gems for me. And to that um, to that point, um, well, actually, no. Number three is gonna be Alejandro. I love that song, and that's gonna be right underneath Edge of Glory, which is <laughs> number two, um, and one of my, um, which is also one of my uh, all time favorites from Gaga. And then I think I'm also gonna have to go with um, with Poker Face for number one. Um, the only, <laughs> the only other thing that I would, um, that I do want to give a shout out to is Aura from Art Pop. Didn't quite make the top five, but the fact that she worked with Infected Mushroom is always going to give yeah. me a kick. That's pretty uh, crazy, actually, to think about it, yeah. um, <laughs> in that way. That All right, uh, Ryan, what are your five through one top five Lady Gaga songs? So I've had the benefit of time while you two have had to think of it off the dome. I've kind of been able to organize it a bit. However, yeah, you're welcome. That also bit me in the ass because <laughs> many of you, both of you picked many of my top five. So I'll, I'll just go through this quickly. Uh, number five, I had the na same number five is Chris speechless. Um, this is Gaga. If you want a pure oh, vocal performance with her piano skills, check this song out. It's beautiful off the same, uh, reissue as uh, bad romance the fame monster number four poker face is my favorite off of the fame uh number three a song that neither of you mentioned was the cure and i love this song it's kind of a guilty pleasure of really? mine it came after joanne wow. didn't do very well and she just kind of said i'm gonna go back into pure pop instead of this folksy gaga era uh that joanne was all right all right uh, number two, You and I. Uh, it's a beautiful country song. I think it, it really blended her sound and country really well. And then number one, Edge of Glory. Really empowering. Doesn't matter who you are. Damn it, you're on the edge of glory. Yeah. A lot of empowering songs song. from Gaga, of course, uh, throughout her time. Uh, she lifts very us up socially. people. Yeah, she's 
very much, you know, has a lot of social awareness and has a lot of issues she fights for and everything too. So thanks mm-hmm. to her for all that, that she does. And we'll continue to do, I assume for a very, very long time. All right. Damn right. So let's get into our signature segment. And that would be the top 10 back then. The top 10 back then. The top 10 back then is brought to you by our one and only Ryan. Ryan, give me the date that this peaked and then let's run through it. I'm actually really excited for this one. I think there's going to be a, a lot of good songs in this one. If, you know, Bad Romance was the only the number two song, um, hopefully we got some really, really good songs. Oh, this is a juicy top 10. It is juicy. It is thick <laughs> with two C's. Uh, the date is December 5th, 2009. So for all our listeners out there, we tend to have a rule for this podcast that we want to keep the songs older than 10 years. Um, and this song falls into that. So don't worry. But the number one song, barely. do you guys barely have a guess it. at what it is? Bad Romance was number two. So this is the first... This is the first week of yeah, Bad Romance? Yeah, first time it was number two. Remember, we said it was number two for seven weeks, so this is the first yeah. week it appeared at number two. Uh, Anthony, I have a guess that I'm pretty sure is right, so do you want to no, go I like first? Go. I got nothing. Empire State of Mind. That is correct. Empire State of Mind, Jay-Z, and Alicia Keys. Yeah, because that was that was like the entire latter part of, 20, of 2009 before TikTok happened. Makes you think like you're really there in New York City when you listen to it. Yep. Still never been to New York. Oh, that's a shame. I went to New York like as the song was popular and I played it on my iPod touch and I just felt bliss. Highly recommend. Next time, the first time you go to New York City, you have to play this song. All right. Well, way to rub it in. I was supposed to go this summer and now I can't. So thanks for rubbing it in. I'm sorry. You you know what? Both of you, you just play this song as soon as you get there. If you're in LaGuardia or something. It'll happen. Okay. Uh, so, so uh number two then for this one was of course bad romance um let's run through the rest of the top 10 yeah number three is a song that went number one uh we'll have to cover this song it's fireflies owl city oh god yeah <laughs> what an anomaly Fuck. right like, now owl city is a group a... right it's not one person it's a dude it, no, it's, it's one, one, one dude it's one person. okay i got that backwards yeah well, and what's wild is that that was like, we thought that was like the the final big hit of like the emo era. It wasn't. He had it, another it hit with, still with had a couple uh, more It's Always this. a Good Time. Great song Carly. too. Yeah. Yeah. He he managed to pull that off. And then like 10 years later, Juice World was like, hey, guess what? Emo's not dead. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> emo will okay. never die. All right. So then what was number die. four? Number four was another song that went number one. This song is due to the sample entirely, and it is What You Say by Jason Derulo. Oh, uh, yeah. Shout out Imogene Heap. Classic album of that song samples from. Um, I And also that reminds me of that uh, SNL skit with Andy Samberg. <laughs> the What You Say. Oh, that is a dark as hell skit. That... <laughs> It was, it was Andy Samberg and Bill Hader. It wasn't it wasn't Shia LaBeouf in that too. I think too. so. Yeah, he, he yeah. walks in. Uh, great. I'm sorry, Jason Derulo, but there are there's a you'll have your time to be mentioned. Many other. Oh, he's a TikTok star. Did you see yesterday? Um, he chipped his tooth on a drill bit trying to film 
a TikTok video. What? Yeah, he's still he he's still okay. trying to cling to relevance. <laughs> he's uh he's around. He's doing things. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what was number five? Number five is a song I'm surprised peaked at number five. Uh, it's TikTok by Kesha. Okay. This song broke all oh. kind of digital download records. When I think of the digital download record era, I kind of think of TikTok. Yeah, but all the songs above say, definitely... all the songs above it also were like crazy popular as well too. That TikTok, well TikTok hit number 1 in the 2010s. It hit number 1 the first week of 2010. Oh, uh, this is for the year, you're correct. So, okay. that's why yeah. I'm like saying it had yeah. to be number 1. Which It was it was number 1. I remember like it was kind of poetic. Uh it was literally like the last week of 2009 was the last, uh, was the last um, of Empire State of Mind. And then went to TikTok. And then first week of 2010 was TikTok, and the 2010s woke up in the morning feeling like he did. <laughs> well, there you have it. Yes, TikTok did not go number one in 2009, but okay, stay tuned. Yeah, it took a little Makes while. Sense. It marinated. All right, number six? Oh, number six. I remember this guy. Uh, replay, I as... <laughs> I bet he was wishing Chris that we would is, play is his cracking up right now. <laughs> now that that is a perfect example of just the red one sound and that like even when that song came out everyone's like are you are you sure are you serious about this like you've just made the same song like 10 times in the past year and it somehow worked I out for was, you. I uh, was listening to like a, just a Spotify playlist that was like all like throwbacks and then this came on I was like oh man this this is a song. Talks about your iPod Every being play. on <laughs> Oh, classics. God, we miss you, Ayaz. Where, where has I, I he been? I don't know. I'm going to look it up where after has this. Where um, Ayaz, if you're listening. He needs a... Re- he needs a yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. collab. All right. Uh, number seven? Number seven is Sexy Chick. Notice how I said Sexy Chick there. Oh. Uh, David Guetta featuring Akon, Speaking of the Devil. Okay, here here we go. Uh, that, this that, was a that year song is I thought it was. one of my guilty pleasure songs, and I don't know if it's just David Great Guetta song. songs in general because I love the song "Where Them Girls At" uh, with David Guetta too. Um, and they're kind <laughs> Very of a similar song. song. <laughs> um, they kind of are. It's a it's a really um, good but song. Sexy chick uh, is iconic. Great song. Yeah. All right, number eight. Number eight, we have had this theme in multiple segments of the top ten back then. It's another Lady Gaga song, and it's Paparazzi. So I think in two other episodes, we've had two Lady Gagas in the top ten. Um, she's probably the most prevalent artist in all the top ten back thens we've done, and she has two hits here, number two and number eight. Okay. What was number nine? Okay. Okay. Number nine, uh, another artist we covered, a song that went number one. And it is three by Britney Spears. All right. I love that song. And then what is the 10th song in this top 10 back then segment? Uh, 10. I think this song describes the recession era that we were in so well, just because of one Lil Wayne verse. And it is down. Jay Sean featuring Lil Wayne. Okay. Um, Let me give you a hot take here. Out of all those songs (laughs) in the, in the, top 10 back then for this one that might be the third best song i'm just saying <laughs> that might be the third best song what i was, think yeah, what were the I, first yeah, what two? Was the bad first romance and i think that 
TikTok might be better than it, but I think that the, that might be third. I would uh, I would also put Sexy Chick ahead of it, but it is a I good I don't know. Song. Every time Lil Wayne says, and I'm down like the economy, I'm like, hey. It he takes knew, me back. He, he was very remember... much not in trouble because he was rich, but he let everyone else know who yeah. was in trouble that, hey. See, I my uh, my like clear memory of that song is that probably like a third of the way into its chart peak, they released a new version of the radio edit that switched Lil Wayne's verse to the second verse instead of the third verse, and then it's and then it tripped me up every single time it came on the radio, and I thought <laughs> I was about to start singing the second Jay Sean verse, but nope. And I don't. And to this day, I have no idea why they would. Do also, that. <laughs> Jay Sean is the two-hit wonder. Maybe uh, do you remember was big too? But I mean, uh, not as big as Down was. And two and a half because he just had a TikTok hit that charted very high in the UK, and it was a remix of his song from that album called "Ride It." What? Like, ride it. I wanna see. Oh, okay, ride two and a half. All right. We've got to revisit ride, ride It. Ride it. Ride it. I, I've never. That went number one in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in like in the past like month. Well, okay. Well, sorry, Jay Sean. Then um, should give you more credit. And he had twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. That was the time when everybody was thinking the world. I mean, Britney Spears herself. Till the world ends. It's all about the end we, of the we, world. We haven't ruled. We haven't. We haven't ruled out that it didn't actually end. I mean, it, it's been a weird. It's been a weird. We're in a simulation. <laughs> this podcast is getting weird. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we're getting existential. <laughs> um. What's sorry? I sorry I even brought up that it was the third best song on the on the, the, the top ten. Um, but that's what I thought. So all right, let's run through it one more time. Uh, one through ten. Go ahead. Number one, uh, Empire State of Mind, Jay Z and Alicia Keys. Number two, the title of this episode, Bad Romance, Lady Gaga. Number three, Fireflies, Owl City. Number four, What You Say, Jason Derulo. Number five, TikTok, Kesha. Number six, we have Replay by Ayaz. Ayaz, if you're listening out there, we hope you're okay. Seven, we have Sexy Chick, David Guetta featuring Akon. Number eight, we have Paparazzi by The Gaga Herself, yet again. Number nine, we have Three by Britney Spears. And ten, we have Anthony's third favorite song in this top ten, it's down. Jay Sean featuring Lil Wayne. Love it. I stick by with what I said. I don't I think you're it. wrong. Yeah, I'm just, hey, it's, you heard it's, it here first. It's within the top 30%. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> no. All right, well, once again, that was another great episode of Over My Head, A Look Back at Pop's Past, brought to you by the one and only Los Lovely Boys. If you want to hear our episodes as they drop, Please subscribe, download, listen wherever you listen to podcasts most. If you want to add your input on this song, want to suggest songs for us to look into, or just want to give general feedback, you can always email us at LLC at gmail.com. Go follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We're always posting stuff on there as well, too. See some behind-the-scenes action. See what's coming up next. And for my co-host, Chris and Stefan, hope we weren't too far in over our heads on this one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>